0: The duke and his servants walked confidently toward the room in his castle where his brother dwelt. A simple-minded fellow would have said that things between them had not gone well in the past. The duke pondered the phrase he had read somewhere about brothers taking up arms against brothers, and chuckled under his breath. Sometimes simple phrases are true, he thought. But the time for fighting was over. He had told his brother he could be restored to a place of power if he were to complete a simple task. As the servants followed behind him carrying trays of the best food in all of England, he laughed aloud. He knew his brother. He knew him all too well. <laughs> Virtuous Men, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction, and today, and the virtues they personify. In this mini-pod season, we will explore the seven deadly sins, a man who personified each one, and the opposing virtue needed to defeat it. Welcome to Episode 5, The Gluttony of Reginald III. A sin is an immoral behavior that one performs in direct opposition to virtue. For every good action, there is an evil action. For every virtue, there is a vice. Both forces work against one another in the hearts and minds of mankind for the benefit or destruction of humanity. Stories of history and fiction have clearly revealed the truth that while every man is capable of great virtue, so too is he capable of unspeakable evil. This duality was famously summarized in what is known as the Seven Deadly Sins first listed by Pope Gregory I in the 6th century, and then further developed by Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century, the list highlights the key sins in human nature that ultimately lead to destruction and death. This episode's sin is gluttony. Gluttony is the overconsumption of food and drink to the detriment of the consumer and those less fortunate. A gluttonous man hoards for himself what he could give to others. It is a sin defined by materialism, hedonism, and a belief that there is only the eternal present. When describing the behavior of the wicked, the Bible's book of Philippians proclaims that their stomach is their God. While a gluttonous man is many things, he is, above all else, a worshiper of idols. One such example of this destructive vice is the little-known Reginald III, a man whose tragic tale graphically reveals what happens when we refuse to refrain from good things that can also destroy us. Due to scant historical information, this episode is based loosely on true events. Reginald and his brother Edward sat down at the dinner table. Their parents came in shortly after. All the two royals wanted to do was to forget politics and enjoy a good meal. Edward knew that mealtime was Reginald's three favorite times of the day, something that made him want to storm away in anger. At almost every meal, he would pull some prank that made him look away, and when he turned back, a portion of his plate was missing, and Reginald was laughing. Though he hated the pranks, he hated even more that he fell for them. Edward wondered what stupidity his brother would unleash this time as he looked at his brother. He was looking at the doors with a look of anticipation Edward had reluctantly come to memorize. Reginald almost loved the anticipation of the meal to come more than the meal itself. It was seeing the servants bringing in tray after tray that made his heart leap every time. There was nothing like the sight of the double doors opening with a host of servants bringing in such wondrous exotic delicacies. Delicacies that were meant just for him. The table was quite large, and to his child's eyes it seemed much larger. It was the sort of table belonging to one whose father was a king. "'someone like his mother. "'He and Edward had seen other tables like it "'when they had accompanied their father "'to other castles across England. "'When they had looked out from the windows of the carriage "'at the peasants in the various villages, "'Reginald always laughed to himself. "'They would never know the succulent opulence "'of the meals he ate three times a day. "'These peasants were fortunate "'if they received a loaf of bread for a whole week. "'This thought made him recall "'when he had eaten three full loaves in one day, "'and it made him laugh even harder.' Reginald would try to break his record one day, but for now, he just wanted to eat. The doors creaked open. The servants came in. Reginald's eyes widened like his own sumptuous gut would soon be doing. He always thought the servants walked too slow in bringing the food. The trays were placed on the tables and the lids were uncovered. The feast looked particularly good today. The steam rose deliciously from the still-warm pig on a spit. The dish of rice looked like a Byzantine mosaic with all the various toppings scattered across it. To Reginald, what lay before him was true art. Edward picked up his plate to help himself, but Reginald quickly cut in front of him. He placed everything on his plate in such a slapdash, slipshod manner that Edward was tempted to upend it onto the floor. Edward liked everything on his plate to have its own place. Anything that offended his sense of order displeased him. That was his brother, an offense to order, chaos personified, Bacchus reborn. Before the Lord and Lady could help themselves, Reginald had already consumed a quarter of his plate. (laughs) This was another commonplace occurrence. Edward never understood why his parents refused to reprimand Reginald as harshly as they should have. The most they had ever done was to scold him But they never backed up their threats with any sort of action. He took some solace in the fact that they were as orderly as he was, but it only went so far. They talked quietly to one another while Reginald was finishing his plate. The unruly sight gave Edward an idea. It was something that had always gotten a rise from his brother. He only used it sparingly so that it would have greater impact, and tonight was the night to bring it out again. Reginald slumped off of his chair like a large pat of butter melting off of a steaming breakfast biscuit. As he walked past his brother with his plate in hand, Edward whispered, "'Crassus!' Reginald stopped. He looked at Edward with a level of hate that delighted Edward to no end. It was the name of a Roman statesman they had learned about in their studies. He was known to be enormously overweight. The first time he had called Reginald this name, it had led to a fistfight on the floor. Edward prayed the same would happen now, but instead of his brother's large, sweaty palms slapping his face, it went instead to his plate and overturned it into his lap. Edward jumped up and howled in rage. Reginald began to laugh. Edward couldn't take it. He ran at his brother and they toppled to the floor. The boy's father yelled at them to stop while he ran over to separate them. He managed to restrain Edward while Reginald lay on the floor. His father told him to go to his bedchamber. Edward stormed off and took one look back at his brother. He lay on the floor like the carcass of a whale on the seashore, laughing his idiotic, winded laugh. Before slamming the door, he made a vow to himself. The day would come when he would be the one laughing. It may not happen for years, he reasoned, but it will come. Many years passed, and the brothers aged into their respective roles. Reginald became Duke of Gelders when his father died in 1343. He was as disinterested in matters of state as Edward knew he would be. He had seen what had happened to the Dukedom of Gelders under his brother's rule. It was the thought of the peasants that struck him most. While Reginald gorged himself on the fat of the land, the peasants starved. He lost count of the famished skeletal remains he had seen in the various graveyards on his missions around England. With every year that passed, Edward lost more and more of his patience. This was not how a ruler was supposed to behave. It should have been him ruling the dukedom all along. It was now time to make it so. It began in the year 1350. Edward tried to be diplomatic with his brother, He waved him off and claimed he knew what he was doing in between grimy bites of turkey leg. Edward explained the horrid conditions of Gelder's that he had seen personally. Reginald asserted he was lying just to overthrow him. He is right about the latter, Edward thought. The diplomatic approach lasted far longer than Edward would have wanted, but he was nonetheless hesitant to resort to violence. But as the years continued with no improvement, Edward knew that the time for talk was over. He could not resolve this matter with words. It was time to resolve it with swords. In 1361, Reginald was in the town of Teal on a rare departure from the castle. While his brother was away, Edward struck the fatal blow. With a mighty show of force, he managed to overcome his brother's power. Now the Gelders was his, it was time to make sure his brother would not attempt to do the same to him. He sent scouts to capture Reginald, a task Edward knew would be easy. He was imprisoned in the castle of Newkirk, with specific instructions from Edward. It was a scheme he had been planning all those years ago at the dinner table, a scheme that he was excited to finally witness. He instructed his men to build a special room for Reginald. It was without question the finest room in the castle, filled with glowing candles and rich tapestries, and a bed that could have been taken from the bedchamber of heaven itself. There was only one thing about the room that was unusual. There was no door. There was only an opening where a door normally would have been. Edward sent a message to his brother he himself had written. You may regain your title, your land, your wealth, and your position if you can leave your room. Reginald laughed. This would be simple enough. He walked over to the entrance and tried to get through, but to his astonishment, he could not pass. His massive girth could not cross the threshold. Oh, well, he thought. In time I can get through. But Edward had planned for this. He had arranged for the most exotic of all foods to be brought to the room. As always, it was three courses a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Only this time, Reginald would not have to share. It would be all for himself. Edward was asked why he was treating his brother so harshly, and he simply said, My brother is not a prisoner. He is free to leave as soon as he wishes. Reginald didn't seem to care that he was trapped in a room with nothing but the finest foods in all the earth. He no longer had to worry about matters of state. All that he needed to focus on was how much he could consume. He devised new eating contests for himself to pass the time. It was a bliss that only the gods of old had known. But as the years went by, he began to wonder what it was like to walk around the castle. He forgot the last time he had seen trees and grass. He had not traveled anywhere for years. He no longer recalled what his own dukedom looked like. He was fully aware of how much larger he had grown while he had been in this room. For all this time, the door had remained open. But as soon as the sight of the servants bringing trays of delicacies crossed his gaze... All thoughts of leaving the room vanished. It was the trays, not his freedom, that mattered most. Ten years passed. Edward had been killed in a terrible battle in 1371 between rival dukedoms. Reginald hoped it had been a slow and painful death. With Edward gone, Reginald demanded to be set free at once. By now he was so large that not even his leg could pass the threshold. Servants with hammers and axes tore down the door, and Reginald was helped out by assistance. He ordered that he be sent back to his throne in Gelder's where he belonged. Once he was there, he had everything restored to him that Edward had taken, but his newfound victory was short-lived. His health had been damaged beyond repair years ago, and now his daily binges had caught up to him with a vengeance. Mere months after reclaiming his title, Reginald died, he was laid to rest in Grafenthrall Abbey, destined to be remembered only for his gluttony. The healing virtue for gluttony is temperance. Temperance is characterized by self-denial for one's own betterment. A temperate man is fully aware of the pitfalls that can ensnare him. He knows what his vices are and how they come to him, and he devises a battle plan of temperance to overcome them. In a society that constantly tells us to consume, we can clearly see the devastating impact of ignoring temperance. The statistical rise of weight gain has not only led to countless preventable deaths, but led to countless more being denied the goods that could have helped them. Now more than ever, our overweight and overfed society tempts us to gluttony because it feels good and we should not deny what makes us feel good. Yet as Reginald's tragic tale proves, a gluttonous conception of what feels good leads to ruin. Had Reginald chosen temperance, what was rightfully his could have been restored, freedom, power, wealth, and influence. Had he chosen to forego gluttony, the less fortunate could have prospered. Instead, he chose imprisonment over freedom, gluttony over temperance, vice over virtue. This episode of Virtuous Men was written and recorded by Scott Einig and edited by Jamie Adams. Tune in next Monday for the next episode of our 7 Deadly Sins series, The Sin of Envy.